0: The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took which led to recovery and got his life back. if it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right.
1: All right, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you are in this world, this is Max with the Fearless Happiness Podcast, Today, I have a very special guest. I'm not going to butcher her last name because I'm going to let her introduce it, but her name is Kakua. She's from Hawaii. She's an author. She's a coach. But what I like to do, Kakua, is have you introduce yourself as, a, like, let the audience know who you are and what you do, and then we're going to rock and roll.
2: All right. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, my name is Kikua. last name is Kobashigawa. It's not as, uh, it's long and it looks scary, but it's not as hard as a, As it looks like it is. Um, So, yeah, I'm a coach. I came into coaching from the fitness industry. I worked in group exercise, personal training. I ran my gym. And as I did personal development for myself, which was a thing that I just kind of tripped and stumbled into. But as I developed my own self, I, of course, I incorporated it into the classes that I taught and the clients that I coached and, you know, my staff and, over time, I just kind of came to a point where I realized that the impact that you can have on people when you help them work on their mindset and, you know, the internal mental and emotional aspects of their life, it was so much more impactful than the fitness, which I loved. I absolutely love. I still, you know, work just as an employee at that same gym. I, I wanted to have that bigger impact. I felt called to do more for women because I recognized that I had resources coming out of, you know, the hardships of my life that made me able to succeed in ways that a lot of, a lot of women aren't able to, and it's not because they can't, it's because they didn't have those resources. So I just kind of felt it incumbent upon myself that, you know, if I'm going to be upset about the state of resources, then I better be willing to contribute to it.
1: Right. Right. Um and you know whatever we choose to do right and a lot of the times people think at least this is what I found out as being a coach they think well how do I do this or, or like you said they don't have the resources they have the ability but they just don't know where to go right so just to let the audience know so I've been following Kakua for a while and I love her posts right she's she don't hold back she's straight and to the point right so I said I got to get her on my podcast and um But, you know, she wrote a book called, and this is what caught my attention too. It says her book is called Do Big Shit, right? And I love it. So, you can cuss on my podcast. It's rated R. I don't care. But I was like, okay, I got to get this book, which I'm getting soon. And I want to read it. So, what I like to talk about, uh, Kakua, is, right, let the audience know, like, the struggles you went through and the challenges, you know, both. Personally, you know, you can start or professionally, whichever you want to start with, that got you to go, okay, I'm going to change what I do. And now I'm going to help women, you know, find the resources or give them the resources and the tools they need to be successful.
2: I'm going to say that personal and professional were actually the same. Path oh, okay. Because I felt, like I said, I tripped and fell into personal development, you know, in our generation growing up, right? That's, That's self-help stuff, that's for losers, that's for, you know, it's very frowned upon, right? So I never had any of that. I never even considered it. It was not something that is, you know, even a part of life. After my divorce, I was with a man who uh, turned out to be incredibly emotionally abusive, but having had no experience with people like that, you know, I didn't know people were really like that. So I had no tools, I had nothing. But one of the things that I tried to do, I did do, was I started a clothing company, and he was a part of that. And the trigger for that was that I had found and followed a man named Andy Frisella, the MF CEO podcast.
1: Love that, and
2: he's he's an incredible man. So you know, the podcast is the, you know, the main focus is business, but of course, there's so much more that is encompassed in it. So from that grew into the RIT syndicate and the accelerator. And I went into these things because I wanted to be capable of business. I had no kind of business knowledge, no business experience Not like I knew nothing. I just knew that I wanted clothes that kind of represented who I was and I hadn't found it. So, well, let me try and do it for myself. And of course, what happens is, you know, you can't grow one area of your life and it not affect the others in the same way that you can't you know, crumble one area of your life and it not affect the other's growth will spread too. Right. So as I was learning things in terms of business, there's a lot of internal work that has to go with it to really change your identity within. And that had spread to the rest of my life. And I had started to realize just how detrimental this man was to my life. The, the boyfriend that I had at the time and as I started to grow and become empowered through the things that I learned, he slowly started to lose his hold on me. And so after that relationship ended, I still carried a lot of the shame because it was, you know, it's my fault that he treated me with that way. You know, right. this is the condition out of it. Um, and I'm going to say the, the path of going from the woman who was victim of abuse to the woman who now wants to empower other women so that they don't experience that. That was a three or four year transition because I had to slowly be okay with telling one or two people, you know, kind of telling them what that relationship was like, just hinting at it. I didn't want anybody to know the truth. And so that transition little by little, as I discovered that it's not my fault, that I had been conditioned that, you know, there's a whole lot that goes into it. I started to also learn how very common it was. Like my story of experiencing that, not unique, not, not even close, right? The vast majority of women will, will go through that. Right. And the reason that the vast majority of women don't come out with the same kind of healing that I did was, you know, like I had mentioned before, was, is the resources. Because I had tripped and fallen into personal development, I had grown the tools that it took to recognize the damage that had been done and to then work on healing that damage. And I also had a supportive network of women around me. Wow. And because those things are absent for most women, especially while they are in that victim, uh, uh, victimhood of being abused, right. you know, cause they, we've been, off, those things don't exist. And it was the realization that my, experience is not rare at all, but incredibly common, but my healing is rare. That was the trigger that made me say, okay, you've, because you see this, because you know, and because you've been able to do it, your job is to pass that on. And that was the crux of, I need to go from what I thoroughly loved to what is so much more important and will help make an actual difference in the world. I can make, I can make you get skinnier. I can make you fit your jeans and all that. Stuff. And that's real great. You know, <laughs> for right. a but what difference did I really make in your life?
1: Right. So you became a helper. Well, you're always a helper, but you just, you went from your passion to your purpose. Now it sounds like what I'm hearing is your purpose is to help women to become empowered and not let's say take any shit anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. and you're right. Cause I've been a substance abuse counselor for like 14 years. And I'm telling you, I've counseled men, women, you know, teens. And when I have the women that tell me about that stuff and how, like, it's like the, what do you want to call them? The the perpetrator, right? Like he tries to take everything away from you so that it's just him and you from what I gathered in my counseling and they just try to cut you off from the rest of the world so no one can help you, right? So it sounds like you got really brave and like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And and you knew, right? But like you said, doing personal development, like you said, our generation, right? When we we're growing up was like, ah, that's fluffy, whatever foo-foo. you don't need that stuff. You just need well. At least my our parent, like my parent, like you just need to work, you need to grind, put your nose to the grindstone, and that's all you need to do, right? And take care of your family or whatever. But like you, I kind of felt it, you know, through my recovery and getting sober, learning about personal development, which has actually enhanced my recovery. Right? Is I mean, I do the same thing, right? Is is give as many resources to the clients that I serve so they can. Be empowered to go, like, look, man, I can stand on my own two feet and I don't need anybody. Right. Cause you know, and I know, like, when you can do that, where you're like, you've worked on yourself enough and you can look in the mirror and just go, like, cool, I'm good. I'm good with who I see in the mirror. Everything else seems to fall in place. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It all starts like there's so many, you know, branches on that tree but the roots are absolutely self-love and self-respect.
1: Right. Right? Cuz until we gather that or gain that, it's hard, right? Like even in the throes of addiction, right? When you got no self-esteem and and you realize that you've thrown away everything because to get a, you know, a 5-minute high, like it's hard to snap out of that, right? And and luckily like me or excuse me like you, I had at least some resources like friends and And some people that were like, it's time for you to change. So I didn't have to do it by myself. Thank God. Right. Because that can be a tough, tough road when you're like marching down the road and you're looking and there's really nobody helping you out.
2: Yeah. Especially when you don't yet have that faith and belief in yourself, because when you're when you're coming out of any kind of abuse, whether you're being abused or you're doing the abusing, it's, you know, you are evading that internal struggle and so these outside or about that outside outside distractions (laughs) kind of help you not look at what's within right and out coming out of that honestly i was i believe very heavily that um alcoholism drug abuse are related they're very very closely related to gymaholics you know like the the gym rats which is what i turned to and is it a, is it a, you know, a better option for distraction? Yeah. Yes. But it's the same thing, you know, right. you're I, running on a hamster wheel to avoid what's within.
1: Exactly. Right. And addiction is an addiction, no matter what it is. It could be, like you said, exercise, it could be food, it could be gambling, it could be drugs, right? What makes it an addiction is when it, it's affecting your life and everybody around you, because that's your main focus, right? Like it becomes And actually it it doesn't serve you because your focus is like not on what, like you said, not on the important stuff because you're trying to avoid that hard work, that inner work where you got to go. I got to change as a human being. But if you're, like you said, if you're like going, well, no, I'll just go to the gym. I'll work it out. I'll be fine. Right. But you know, when you wake up the next day, like any addiction, you wake up and you go, Oh, it's still there. Shoot. What do I do? Right. Um, so tell, talk to the, tell the audience a little bit about your book and how that came about.
2: Uh, the book grew out of um, an event that I had gone to. There's a group that I'm a part of called 365 Driven, and Tony is the, the owner, the founder of that, and he holds uh, events once or twice a year. And I had gone to an event, and one of the speakers was, his name's Mike Fallett, and he does uh, uh, book publishing. And he was talking about how, you know, your, your book, your story, your message can be your weapon in the world the, what you fight, you know, your battle with for good, for mm-hmm. injustice, for whatever it is that you are doing. And I thought to myself, you know, truly it's impossible to work with every woman there. It's impossible to touch every person one by one, but I could create this resource that's very accessible, And in that way, maybe I can't work with you, or maybe you're afraid to have one-on-one and you're not ready for that, but a resource would be enough to get you moving in the same way that, I don't know if you can hear that. It's incredibly loud. There's an airplane (laughs) flying. That's all right. In the same way that the MFCEO podcast was a catalyst for me to grow personally, because I wasn't, I wasn't. You know there's no way I would have paid for a coach. There's no way I, I didn't think there was anything that I needed to work on, but because I was able to receive that resource, I thought I can do the same thing for women because there's you know there are female coaches and there are fe- coaches that are aimed at women, but none of them would have spoken to me in the way that Andy Frisella spoke to me. Very, you know, no bull,
1: yeah, no frill, Very direct, no <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. But And so much of what's out there for women is very like, foo-foo-la-la, la, like, let's put some glitter on it and do some decoupage and everything will be better. And And I thought, if I have a hard time finding that, other women who are like me and who need that voice also have a hard time finding it. Mm-hmm. So when I considered all the different angles, it made a lot of sense to me that if I could put that together and make that accessible, because you can go and get that for like, you know a very, very affordable price, right. some resources will change your life. And if I can speak to you as directly as what was spoken to me, it just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, can I help more women like this? Yes, I have to do it.
0: Yeah,
1: see, and I'm like you. I, I started from a, through a friend of mine. Like, I joined a network. I don't know if you've heard about it. Break Free Academy or Apex run by Ryan Stewman who knows, right, Andy Priscilla. So like when he was suggesting, I was listening, especially lately, these last couple years, right? If you listen to Andy now, with what's going on in the world. It's like you hear he gets, I love his passion because he gets so pissed. Come on, people, use your brains. Look, I've been telling you this for two years, right? But it's good though, because it woke me up, right? As a vet, you know, it, it's like, okay, what am I doing? If I don't say nothing, I'm as bad as them, Right. And, and, and like you, like if I'm not being that person, how are my client's going to believe like my stuff will, you know what I mean? My coaching is going to work because they see Max over here. He doesn't really say much, but, you know, he's trying to tell us to go out there and be in front of the world, right? In the front of the world camera and say, look at me, look what I got taught. Um, but I think like for people like you and I who are passionate about what we do, right? And have gone through struggles, right? We needed those kicks in the butts where we heard like someone like Andy or a you know what I mean where and I have a friend named Chris Whitehead who I, and I remember I'm gonna share something with you right so my friend Chris one time I was going through a bunch of stuff right and he's like do you think you attract this stuff and at the time I got a little butt hurt right I'm like hey what f are you talking about like why would I attract all this stuff happening to me and my family and then it hit me one day when i got well it's been like six years now and um i was sitting and doing some reflection and meditating and i thought so i got on a call with him one day and i said you're damn straight i uh, attract that stuff because god thinks i'm strong enough to handle it and he goes that's what i'm talking about right and that's what we try to teach our clients right like and they're going through the stuff like i don't know about you but I'll hit them with hard questions until the, I know when they get frustrated, they're giving me that look like, Max, we're about to cut this off right now. And then like, they'll come back a day or two later and go, I know what you are doing now. You know what I mean? Right. We went through it. Right. So that's tough. Like whether it's personally or professionally, like we're going to go through challenging time. I don't like to call them problems because I know we can get through it. So I call them struggles and challenges and we've all had our fair share of them. So, like, share with the audience, if you would, Kakua, like, like recently, like, what, was your, what has been your biggest challenges that have kept you going where you said, you know what, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to show people this is why I do what I do.
2: I'm going to say writing that book because I had to... So I have kind of an ADHD brain, squirrel brain. I don't like a long book. I don't like a thick book. I like it needs to be (laughs) to the point and actionable. But I have to understand that that's not how the majority of people are. So writing that book was challenging because I knew I had to put a lot of my story in it because somebody has got to be able to identify with me before they can identify with potential. Like if, if, you know, if you look at somebody who's like Ed Milet and you're working at McDonald's, you're never going to think I can do something like that. But if you look at maybe, you know, the dude who owns your McDonald's, who used to work inside of the McDonald's, then you think, oh, well, if he came from where I came from, m- maybe I could do the same thing. Right. So I had to, I had to come to terms with how much of my story I had still not allowed to be public. And then I had to come to terms with why I had not, why I still was, you know, not hiding it, but I wasn't public about it. And that was an emotional challenge because then I had to like, I had to really lay out things that I was like, fuck, I wouldn't lie about them, but I would never volunteer this information. But if I'm going to be... A valuable resource. If I'm doing this, not because I want to check my box, not because I want to put a book with my name on it and say, I did all the things. If I want this to be valuable, then I have to, I, I have to lay it all bare. So that challenge and it, and it was a long process because you can hire, you know, a publishing company that can right. ghostwrite. And it can be out in 30 days. Right. And I couldn't because I, I, I couldn't sit with where it was at knowing that it, I had not put everything into it that needed to be there. So if, for me, it was a long process. Mike started to be, hey, man, he's texting me. He's like, how's, how's that going? <laughs> right, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. <laughs> but, you know, l- coming off of the things that I, you know, honestly wasn't hiding anymore, but was not visible with. Because there, it turned out there was still a little bit of that shame attached to it, even though I thought there wasn't, right? Because our kind, our ego will right. hide a little bit of that from us. Um, really laying all that bare was difficult, but like so many things, that difficulty was cathartic. Like once I had put out everything I felt like needed to be in there. And I had released that. I was pretty confident. I felt pretty strong in who I am, but that went to a whole nother level.
1: Yeah.
2: I would say that I I am vastly larger on the inside than I was before I wrote it while I was writing it. Even the first time I submitted it, once I, once I let it go out into the universe, there was no power left over me that that man unknowingly still had. Right was my power at that point
0: right
1: you had taken your power back it sounds like and I know it's your t- I know that feeling because like in the process of writing my book I wrote a book also and I remember it mine took a long time because I was a great procrastinator or the new girlfriend would take my you know what I mean like and what hit it for me like one time what what happened for me, like you, is like I knew if I didn't I knew the book came out right when it was supposed to at the end, right? Because I knew there was some still some stuff I had to share with people that if they're going through recovery, right? Whether it's drugs or whatever addiction it is, right, they're gonna go, wow, this guy went through it, right? And I had I knew, but I remember the same thing. And I remember when I finally like gave my final okay, you know, that feeling you get like. That was cool. Cool. Let's let's do it. Okay. Whatever you believe in, God, universe, whatever. I was like, yeah, let's do this now. Like, I finally did something that I said I wanted to do for a long time, and I hope it helps people. And I know that feeling that you're feeling because it was just like it was like I was on cloud ten for a long time, even though it's a short read. But like you see, I'm I'm ADD. Like my publisher or the guy that helped me write the book, he said. I know you have a hard time. Why don't you come to Arizona? We'll sit for, and I sat with him for two days, eight hours a day, and we just hammered out the rest of the book. And it was weird because it was like stuff that just needed to come out. And I, and like since I was sitting next to him, it was easier. I was, I felt like I was, I don't know, just speaking in front of a bunch of, you know, bunch of AAers and NAers and just going, here you go. <laughs> Let's get it done. Um, but I know that meaning or that feeling that the cathartic feeling of writing that book. Cause there's some serious stuff that I went through, like just to share with you, like I lost um, my sister after I turned 13 years sober eight months later, my brother would commit suicide and lose his battle with addiction. Um, then that year, six months later on the day on Thanksgiving day, my mom would pass away and then I would put my youngest daughter in treatment that following Monday. And then as recently as three years, I lost a granddaughter. My son almost died of a massive stroke at 30 years old because his, his you know, poor uh, choices and drug addiction. And it was like, okay, like, if there wasn't such big signs, like, I got to stay on this path to help, like you help, like you're helping women, I'm, I'm helping you know, CEOs, executives, and high performers not lose what they built. or work so hard to build, you know? And like getting to meet people like yourself that I know are on this mission to help people is, it's just been amazing. So, you know, thank you for sharing that with us, right? But I also like to have my audience, you know, hear your wins, like some of your, you know, I know the book is a big win, but what are some other big wins you've had on this journey that you're on?
2: My biggest wins are really the wins that other people have that, that I get to participate in. That's the, because that's the mission. Of course I have like, you know, my personal wins, like watching my children's feed, my, my, my daughter's in college right now and my son just graduated from high school. So as a mom, those are my wins because I see them as good people. I see how they treat others. I see all the, the work that I put in, of course, of course, I see the, the little fails that I've made, too, because
1: <laughs> right.
2: But those are my personal wins. But then my, my, my professional wins really are, you know, it's great that I, I released a book and it's a bestseller and I'm really proud of that. And it's great when I see things go big on social media or something like that. But it's when people reach out to me and they're like, that one thing that thing that you said, it was just, you phrased it just the right way. Or, you know, that talk that we had, there are still people. Of course, there's a lot of people in my personal life who um, at the gym, who, you know, they've followed me since my account was nothing but fitness.
1: Right.
2: And they come and they talk to me afterwards and they're like, Oh man, you know, the way you, that, that one thing that you talked about, like I, I had done one recently, I um, wear the fucking hat, which was talking about, you know, the things that we sit on and that we hold and we wait and I'll do this when, and I'll feel this when, and you know, that we're waiting right for the, the circumstances to be acceptable for us to be proud of something or to enjoy right. something. And in that, I use an example of my hat. I like hats and I try not to ruin my hats, right? Don't wear them out. But they're going to get <laughs> fucking ruined anyway. They're either going to.
1: In my closet. <laughs> Same thing. I always want to get a new hat. My wife's like, Dude, "You, have got a closet full of hats." I go, "I know, but I can't wreck them. I need a new one." You know, and I'll wear yes. it once or twice, and then I'll put it away.
2: So I was talking about, um, you know, stop stop storing everything for the when, because right. what if the when then you you go to put it on it it's it's disintegrated. There's nothing left, right? Because things disappear, opportunities disappear. You know, your money disappears, all all of these things. And several people had spoken to me about, you know, like, I'm wearing the hat. I'm wearing the hat for whatever that meant in their life. It's those things that are the most impact to me. I learned in fitness that you have more impact than you ever see. Because if you say you have a class of 100 people, you know, 10 people might be willing to say, I loved that, or it had this impact, or this is, you know, the, the results that I've gotten, 10 people will say that another 50 people are feeling the same thing, but they're never going to be able to speak up and say it. So you have to move through the things that you do and you have to put them out there and know that you're not doing it for you to get the result. They're not, you're not doing it for you to feel good. But you have to just put it out there and know that the reason why you have the power to speak the things that you speak is for the people who can't.
1: Right. And that's huge, right? When you can get to that point in your own head, right? Like, I'm not doing this to say, hey, look at me, right? But knowing that you're speaking for those people who don't have a voice or don't know how to use their voice. And that's huge. Thank you for sharing that. Because that's yeah, I'm gonna tell my wife I'm gonna wear the hat. I'm wearing the hat now. Wear all of it. Yeah, exactly. I got plenty, right? I might even get some of my grandson. He's probably grandpa, you got all those hats up there. I know they look good, don't they? Just gotta start wearing them. So I really appreciate you, you coming and and joining me on this podcast. Thank you so much. So Thank you. Kakua. If if there's women out there listening that want to work with you, how would they get a hold of you? How would they look you up?
2: Any social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and my website is kekua k k e k u a k and that's com. There's contact. There's the links to all the social media. There's um, information about the programs that I have. I have a program that's starting on July 16th. Um, that is entirely designed around self-love and self-respect. 6 weeks, 6 sessions to just set a new standard for yourself, to become the standard.
1: Right? Set that high standard and make everybody else live up to it, right?
2: You know, it's it's not that other people have to live up
1: to it, it's that you have to live up to it. Bingo. That's what I should have said. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah, right? We have to live up to the standards that we set for ourselves, right? And I try to set them pretty high. Um, well, before I let you go, of course I asked you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I like to ask my guests, right? And my book, it's same as my podcast, right? Fearless happiness. We're going to start with fearless. So what does fearless look like for you? And how does, how does being fearless show up in your life on a daily basis?
2: I don't think there's really, truly any such thing as fearless. Uh, because the only way that you don't have fear is that you don't think logically about things that are coming at you because everything, I mean, you could be walking down the street and anything could happen to you. I think what people associate with fearlessness is being able to move with the fear. So we we, we get this thing that we're, you know, we shouldn't never be average. We should never be afraid. We should never be, we have all these, we should never be. And the truth is you will be all of those things. The solution is to accept those things and move. Right.
1: Try not to be mediocre. Try to push yourself. Well, what is Ed's new book, right? Just one more time. Right. I love that saying. So (laughs) thank you for sharing that. So happiness, right. As you can see, I put a Y in there. I did that for a reason. So, well, I'll let you figure out what I why I did that, but what does happiness look like for you, and how does that show up in your in your life on a daily basis?
2: It's honestly transitioning right now because my children have both reached the age where mom is not my full time and primary position in my life anymore. It, it's slowly transitioning back to what do I want my primary joy to come from because it can't be my kids. If I were to continue to put that on my kids, then I'm now saddling them with the weight, right? It's time for me to let them go and, and step out onto their own. So I'm transitioning to what do I love, which is fitness. I am lo- a meathead till the day I die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: So it's still going to the gym and lifting heavy as much as I can dancing because dancing fills me with joy. Um, having community with other women who are growing in their own way. It doesn't have to be the same way as me. Some of them are, you know, they want to build indomitable business and some of them just want to improve themselves as parents. And some of them are, you know, trying to fall or fall more deeply in love with their spouse, whatever the growth is that brings me joy, being able to be on that same vibration of growth and, as much as anything, sunshine. I, I'm an island girl and I belong in the sunshine. <laughs> right. Sometimes just l- taking a nap outside. It changes my entire outlook.
1: Can ha- you can't get enough sun, I believe. I'm the same way. As you could tell, like I grew up by the beach. I remember pff, here in Orange County, mom would go to work and drop, you know, during the summer. Right. Our babysitter was the beach. So. I, I, yeah. I'm like you and thank God I have a pool. <laughs> right. I love being in the sun. Um, but that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with our, my audience. And um, right, because happiness is different for everyone. But I would love what you said about yours is actually, if you think about it, happiness is fleeting. Right. But when you see that joy. That's what's lasting, right? The things like, like you said, taking a nap in the sun or going to the gym, that's the stuff that lasts, right? I could be happy because I had a Twinkie, right? But then I got to confess to my wife, hey, I had a Twinkie today, right? And then that goes away. But if I tell her, "Yeah, yeah, I stuck to my diet, I worked out already today, right? That to me is joy, like you, like doing the things I love to do, even if it's the small things. And sometimes it's those small things that add up at the end of the day, right? Not oh yeah.
2: Like I think we have to be more cognizant of the small things because big things are few and far between. If we're yeah. always chasing yeah. that seven miles down the road, what about all the flowers that are along the way between here and seven miles down the road? You've missed all of that. It's that whole, you know, not seeing the forest for the trees or right. not being able to see the entirety of the forest because you're focused on one tree. You've got to be able mm-hmm. to zoom in and zoom out.
1: Right. That's the saying, right. Stop and smell the roses. Right. Cause sometimes we got to stop and, and just see what's like, I always tell the whether it's in my clients I work with in the addiction field or clients my coaching, when they're having a stressful day, I just tell them, look, stop, take a look at where your feet are at. Right. And sometimes they're in the yard. And I say like, like, look around, like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're out in nature, you're, you're doing yard work. Whether there's a lot of people that don't get to do that. And they're like, oh, you're good, Max, you're good. Right. But it's true, though. If we stop and just plant our feet and take a look at where we're at, there's so much to be grateful for. And when you have, I believe when you have a grateful mind, it's hard to be negative or sad or depressed. Right. Not to say that that's not going to happen, but, um, you know, that's some good stuff right there. So, what I like to ask you to give my audience, like one piece of advice that will make them think right? Help them grow as a human being or leave him with that, hmm, I gotta think about that one.
2: <laughs> My favorite thing to say is that you deserve everything that you're willing to work for. So you might not think it's possible, but if you deserve it, if you know that you deserve it, you'll work for it and it will become possible.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kakua, for being a guest. I had such a great time. Thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with my audience. So if you heard anything that ha- uh, helped you or made you think, or if any of you women out there are listening and need some help, Kakua lets you know where you can reach her. Um, and please, everybody, leave a review, right? Give a five-star review so people can find the podcast on iTunes.
0: Until next time, we'll see you later. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now, Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.maxnaist.com on Facebook at max.naist till next time keep the fight and we'll see you soon